exposes a scenario that we can get caught up in sometimes where our lives are so busy with stuff that that can become a trap that sets us up for failure in our lives. And if we're not crazy or if we're not careful, we can find ourselves caught up in like a real crazy schedule that creates really pressurized scenarios in our lives that can lead us to feeling overwhelmed because being busy all the time unchecked eventually is going to lead to exhaustion, right? You know what I mean? Anybody ever been exhausted before? Being busy all the time without being checked will lead to exhaustion. And exhaustion over time, if it's not corrected, will lead to burnout and lead to us feeling overwhelmed by the things in our lives. Now, when I say overwhelmed, I want to give you a good working definition. I know we don't have the screens here, um, so you'll have to look at me as I go through notes this morning. But overwhelmed, just a good working definition for it, is when you become physically or emotionally overspent and you just shut down. You know what I mean? Like, I'm done. I'm, have you ever said that? I'm done. I am just done with this. I'm done with you and your crazy attitude right now. I can't handle it anymore. I'm done with the stuff that I got to face at work. I am done with this stuff and this drama in my life. I'm just done with it. And you just shut down. You just shut down. You know, I've been there. I've had to deal with that stuff. And we hit moments in, in our lives where if we're not careful, we can be overwhelmed with what's happening. And uh, I got to say, that I don't believe that it's God's will for any of us to be consistently overwhelmed with what happens to us in life. I really don't. I don't believe that it's God's plan for us to be consistently overwhelmed with what's happening to us in life. Like, there's overwhelming scenarios sometimes that we face in life, but that doesn't mean that we have to set up camp and live there for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? Um, like, if, if you, uh, you might be here today, and you might be legitimately facing an overwhelming scenario in your life. Uh, you might be here, and you might be facing some financial pressure in your life. It's overwhelming, and I get that. That's a real thing that you have to face in life, but you don't have to camp out there. You know, you might be here today, and maybe you, you just recently come out of a, a divorce or out of a relationship, and you're still putting together the pieces of your life and, and, and healing from the emotional hurt of that process, and it can be overwhelming at times, and I get that. Or maybe you're here, and you're a student, and you're just, got, you're just getting back into the grind of the school year, and it's a little overwhelming right now. Maybe you're already dealing with scenarios where you're feeling like you're on the outside looking in, and you don't really have any friends to hang out with, or maybe somebody's bullying you already, and the school year's just started. That can be an overwhelming experience. I get that. Maybe you're here today and, and you've recently lost a loved one. That can be incredibly overwhelming. We face things in life that overwhelm us sometimes. Jesus said we were going to face storms. We were going to have trials. We were going to have tribulations that we walk through in life. And he told us it was coming. But just because we're facing a situation that can be overwhelming doesn't mean that we have to be overwhelmed continually. And I think there are some things in our lives, if we're not careful, that can contribute to us remaining in a state of constantly being overwhelmed by what's happening. And a lot of that can be corrected. Okay? What you have to ask yourself if you're feeling overwhelmed, I ask questions to create filters through processes of thought to help me land on 
solutions, and to land on courses of action. Questions are good to ask yourself. A thing to ask yourself if you're feeling overwhelmed right now in life, or if you're in a season where you're feeling overwhelmed by what's going on in your life, is, is this because of a major event in my life, or is this a recurring pattern in my life? Okay, is this because of a major event in my life, or is this a recurring pattern in my life? Major events are major things. Okay, I'm not knocking that, and I'm not discounting that. We face stuff in life that can sometimes make us feel overwhelmed. Like I said before, look, if you lost a job, and you're looking at four kids that are dependent on you to provide money and provide food for them, that can be overwhelming. That's a legitimate thing. If you've lost a loved one, that's a legitimate thing, you know. But if you're constantly freaking out over your finances week after week and month after month because you have an issue with trusting God, that's a different scenario. So you got to identify what's going on. Is this because of a major thing in my life, or is it a recurring thing that maybe I can correct some stuff on and prevent in my life so that I don't have to be freaked out and overwhelmed over common things in life? I can reserve that for the big stuff. You know what I mean? So there's some stuff that we can do. And this is, this is what I don't want you to think today, okay? A lot of times when churches deal with this topic, um, you, know, you, you hear a lot of stuff like this. You hear, well, you just have to trust God. You just have to trust God. And if you're going through something in your life that feels overwhelming right now, look, yeah, trusting God is a great thing, but I'm not going to be that guy or that person that comes up to you and says, brother, you just got to trust the Lord. You just got to trust Jesus, you know. That's a great plan. There's nothing wrong with that. But tell me the truth. When you're going through it and you're in the middle of a pressurized situation and it's real to you and you're dealing with a drama and you're dealing with a frustration and you're dealing with all the pressure, when somebody comes up to you and says, you just got to trust God, how does that make you feel? Oh, snap. If you're like me, what I like to do is I like to look at them with all the grace of God in my heart. And all the love of God in my heart and just look at just all the love and just look at them and punch them in the throat is what I want to do. I just want to just snap and hit them in the throat. Just pow, throat punch. It helped them. It helped me. It helped the world. It'd be great. It'd be great to give them a good life lesson. Because sometimes you just don't need to say that to people. Okay, I know to trust God. But you know what? Jesus trusted his father in heaven when he was on the cross, but that didn't make the nails hurt any less. You know what I mean? I can trust God, but that doesn't mean the junk that I'm going through doesn't hurt. So trusting God is one. And here's another one that people say sometimes. Just get over it. Just move on. You've dealt with this stuff long enough. Just move on. Doesn't that make you want to go back to throat punch just like that? Throat punch. Somebody... Somebody said that to me. Kelly and I had just lost a baby, and we weren't, but maybe a week a week from that happened, and we were still healing and processing stuff. And somebody came up to me and said, man, look, you just got to be the kind of person that rises above that kind of stuff, and we just got to move on because there's life to live and there's stuff to do. You just got to get past that and move on. Lord Jesus, please help me not to snap this guy's not going to think too much. Yeah, you, know, you got to pray through stuff like that. It's just the wrong thing to say 
at the wrong time. So that's not what I'm doing today. That's not what we're going to be doing today. I'm not going to tell you to get over it. I'm not going to tell you, well, you just got to trust Jesus, even though that's a great thing to do. Most people know I got to trust God. But what most people need to do is what do I need to do? What are some practical steps that I can take on the in-between while I'm trusting God to work it out on the other side? What can I do not to snap and start throat punching people, you know? Um, so we will talk about some wonderful things that we can do today to help us while we're going through those pressurized situations when we face major things in life. But I think there's a lot of practical things we can do on the front end to prepare us for those major things and to break the cycle of repetition in our lives where we feel overwhelmed again and again and again. You know, there's some things that we can do. And you might be here today, and, and this doesn't get talked about in a lot of church circles either. Listen, you might be here today, and you might be a person that deals with depression. And you might be a person that deals with anxiety in your life. And, and I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying this morning or what we're going to cover. Because, listen, I know for you, it's a little different. Okay? For some people, there's just a dysfunction in what we allow in our lives, and we can correct it. And it will help lift pressure off of our lives so that we can be better suited to deal with the issues of life but without being overwhelmed by them. If you deal with depression or anxiety, though, that's a different scenario because um, there's an imbalance in you chemically that has to be corrected medically. Okay? That's different. That's different. And I'm not knocking you for being susceptible to that. You hear me? Okay? I think a lot of times in church circles we look at people that deal with issues like that and we looked at look at them as sort of lesser than or like they've got something spiritually wrong with them but you wouldn't look at somebody with a broken arm and say wow you don't have faith because you've got a cast on your arm and you didn't believe god to heal you would you no and but we do that with people that deal with anxiety and depression there's something broken there's something out of balance that has to be treated medically and i don't know why we don't see that in church world um but if you deal with anxiety and you deal with depression, here's what I know. Here's what I know, okay? And this is what your doctor's probably told you. And if you go to therapy, this is what your therapist has probably told you. There are triggers that you can avoid in life to help prevent flare-ups and relapses with that. There are things that you can do, things that you can put in place as bumpers and barriers to, to set yourself up so that you are less, less likely to fall into a season of depression or be overwhelmed and deal with that anxiety that's there. And so there's some practical things that we can do to, to address that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And I'm, I'm really excited about this stuff because I believe that this is going to be a, a game changer for a lot of us here in our lives today. And uh, I want to share some really practical, really simple stuff that we can do on the front end to set ourselves up so that we do not have to continually be overwhelmed by the stuff that we face in our lives. All right, you guys ready for that? If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, the first thing is this. All right, if, we're, if we want to do some preventative stuff, get margin. Get margin, not margarine. Get margin. We went to church and Pastor Josh talking about butter and margin. I thought he was going to pull out toast and talk about all this stuff. No, get margin in your life. Get margin in your life. What does y'all y'all know what margin is? If I say margin, everybody know what I'm talking about when I say get margin. Margin is a space on a paper 
that separates the edge of the paper from where you'll be writing or where you'll be typing. It's that space right there. It's a bumper space to keep what you're writing from falling off the edge. That's what a margin is. It's a boundary. Get boundaries in your life. Get space in your life. You got to get space in your life. All right? Pastor Josh, that's easier said than done. I know it's easier said than done, but we have got to get space in our lives. We live our lives as a society. We, we live our lives dialed to 11 with activity and busyness, and we wonder why we're exhausted all the time. We live our lives dialed to 11 with stuff that we do. But listen, when you, deal, when you live your life dialed to 11 with busyness and activity, and then you throw a storm into an already overloaded life, you're going to sink. You're, you're going to stink. Because you're already living 100 miles an hour right on the edge. And here comes a major thing in life, and it's going to derail you every time. So to avoid that, you got to build margin into your lives. Here, here's something that's really powerful, is that God wants us to be productive and effective, right? He wants us to be productive and effective, but he doesn't want us to be consumed with busyness. God wants us to be productive and effective, not consumed with busyness. And when we run ourselves to the point where we're so busy and we're exhausted all the time, guys, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of tension on that line, and there's not gonna, it's not going to take a lot to snap it. It just won't take a lot to snap it. How many of you got calculators on your phones? Yeah? Go ahead and get them out. I want to show you something here in a minute. People are always so busy. I like balloons because they're fun. This balloon can only hold so much capacity, right? Only so much that it can hold. There's only so much that you as a person had the capacity to manage and hold in your life. And so we fill our lives with business like the job. So we got a job. We got family. That takes up capacity. Maybe the family's coming over for the holiday. Oh, boy. That's capacity because you got to deal with stuff that you normally don't deal with. You know, maybe the kids are having trouble in school because school's just started. More capacities going in because there's stuff that we got to handle. on. Then you got school. With school comes activities, right? So maybe your kids are playing sports or in some kind of club, and so after school activities got you driving around like. There's only so much you're going to be able to fit into this balloon. And then you take a crazy scenario in an overloaded life where you lose a job. See, y'all are, are freaking out already. Some of y'all already got your hands over your ears. You know what's fixing to happen. But how many times have you in your life found yourself where you've been running right on the edge of the line and something happens and you just snap? You just snap. And mentally and emotionally, you collapse or you begin to vent that stuff on people around you because it overwhelms you. We've all got the same amount of hours in a week. I want to show you something that's crazy. 
trying to get you thinking because a lot of people don't think about this stuff. During the week, you have got, let's see, seven days a week. Let's do seven times 24. Seven times 24 hours in a day. That gives us what? Seven times 24 equals 168. So we all have 168 hours in a week. Okay? Now, most people, on average, are going to commit somewhere between 50 to 60 hours a week to their jobs if you're working a job. That doesn't mean that you work 60 hours a week at your job, but between drive time to and from and then time at work and what you do, usually on average it's going to land at about 50 to 60 hours a week for people. Now, you might be hearing that number is a little bit higher, or you might be hearing that number is a little bit less, but just for kicks and giggles, let's take and say we have a 60-hour commitment every week to our jobs and what we do. Okay, So we'll take 168 hours that we have in the week, and let's subtract 60 hours from that for our job. That's going to leave us with how many hours? 108 hours. So after work, we've got 108 hours a week that we've got something to do with. Now, let's say that we all get eight wonderfully uninterrupted hours of sleep a night. If you got a baby, you're going, dear God, that would be awesome to be able to do that. Um, I got a four-year-old, and I still say, dear God, it would be awesome to be able to do that. You know? But nobody really gets eight hours of sleep a night. But let's just say that we do. All right? So eight hours times seven is what? Eight times seven is 56. Some of you are like, it! I did good just to get here in church with the rain. The coffee hadn't kicked in, and now Pastor Josh making me do math. I get it. I get it. So 56 hours a week. All right. So let's take the 108 hours that we have right now, and let's subtract 56 from it. So 108 minus 56 gives us what? 52. Some of y'all are on it. 52 hours a week. So after work and after sleep, We've got 52 free hours on average. It might be a little more. It might be a little less depending on your schedule. 52 free hours a week to put in there whatever we want to. How many of you today feel like you've got 52 hours a week free to do whatever you want to do with it? No. No. I don't even feel that way. But the number says I've got 52. So what's up? What's up? The difference is this. Priorities. Priorities. Either you set priorities for what you want to do with your time, or other people and other things will set the priorities for your life for you. And your time that you have for yourself to do what you want to do will be spread thin and given out. Because we don't protect and defend our priorities. You know? So think about this. Um, let me just run through some stuff. Think about um, most, people, most people would um, want to say that they would love to have more time to get sleep. How many of y'all would love to have more time to get sleep? If you're not getting enough sleep, that's an indicator all right, that you've got a schedule that's out of balance. And you need to go back and look at how much margin you have set aside to get sleep. Because if you don't get sleep, what's going to happen? You're going to get tired, right? And when you get tired, do the things that you face in life seem like normal everyday stuff, or do they seem harder to deal with than they normally would be? 
It's absolutely harder. I can't even figure out simple math problems when I'm exhausted. I know this because I come in tired, and my daughter asked me to help her with her homework, and I just stare at it like a cow looking at a new gate on a fence. You know, when you're tired, you don't think at the level that you normally do. When you're exhausted emotionally, emotionally, isn't it easier to trigger you? Isn't it easier for you to get upset over things that normally wouldn't make you upset? Don't you and your spouse fight over stuff that's normally just trivial stuff that just goes water under the bridge, you know? Don't you snap on people for things that just really don't matter when you're... See, when, when you let yourself get caught up in stuff and you don't get enough sleep, it affects you and it opens the door for you to be overwhelmed. Like If you don't get sleep, you're emotionally vulnerable. Um, if you find yourself saying, I would love to have more time for family, that's an indicator. I would love to have more time for fun. How many of you have all the fun that you want to have in life? No, no, most people don't. But the reason why we don't, we're going to say, because we've got so much stuff to do. I've got so many things I'm committed to do. I've got so much stuff I've got to take care of. We don't take time for ourselves. Uh, here's a big one. Do you have time for church? Pastor Josh, I'm here today. I get that. I get that. But most people would say that they don't have time for church. Now, when you start saying you don't have time for church, can I just tell you, you're too busy. You're too busy because you're trading temporary things for eternal things. You're chasing temporary stuff and letting that take the place of eternal priorities that you should have in your life as a child of God, you know? People say, I don't have time for church. Well, I don't have time, much less to go to church, but to get involved and be a part of what's going on. You know, most people would say, I would love to come to First Wednesdays. That sounds awesome, but I'm just too busy. Can I just be brutally honest with you this morning? If you had First Wednesday as a priority in your life, you would be at First Wednesday. If you had church as a priority in your life, you would be at church. If God was an immovable priority in your life, you would spend time with God. But because they aren't, we let all the other things that scream for attention in our lives take the place of what's most important. And because we don't protect the margin in our lives, we can't set our priorities, and we find ourselves opened up to be overwhelmed by the stuff that happens in life. How many of you would love to have time to rest? Not just sleep, but just have a God-blessed day off to do whatever you wanted to do. You know what I mean? That would be awesome to be able to do that. But most of us feel like just got too much stuff to do. Got too much stuff going on in my life. And sometimes I feel like I'm busy as a pastor because there's just never enough hours to do. You ever feel like that? There's just not enough hours in the day to do everything that you need to do, you know? And so I think, man, this, this is just crazy. There's got to be a way to make this work. And then I look at the life of Jesus, and I'm thinking, Okay, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not as busy as I think. How many of you would agree with me that Jesus is the Son of God? All right. How many of you would agree with me in saying that when Jesus was on this earth, he handled a lot of business? He did a whole lot of stuff. Now, if you're Jesus and you're walking on this earth, you've got 
all the prophecies ever made about you that you're going to have to fulfill in your life. That's something that's going to be on your to-do list. All right? You got all, uh, I mean, think about it. Well, I got to do this. I got to do that. Well, today I'm going to have to walk on water. Well, today I'm going to have to do this, you know. Well, tomorrow we got the feeding the 5,000 thing, so I got to put that on my list, you know. Jesus had stuff that he had to do, stuff that he had to take care of. And uh, so you got that. You got the miracles. You got the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, the putting the Pharisees in the place, all the busy stuff that Jesus did. But throughout Jesus' life that we have in Scripture, you see him resting. Time after time after time. The last week of Jesus' life, when he was fixing to go on the cross, you would think that his to-do list would be slam-packed with stuff. I've only got so many days left on this earth. I've only got so much time. I've only got so many opportunities to reach people, to tell them about my Father's love, to heal and restore people. I've only got so many days. But what was he doing on the Sabbath before he was crucified? He was resting. There's a pattern in there somewhere. Maybe we're not as busy as we think we are. Maybe we just have a lot of busyness in our lives that we need to address. Now, I know that's easy for me to say, but it's a lot more difficult to do. But if you want to have a life where you're consistently living in a scenario where you're not overwhelmed by things time and time again, you got to have margin in your life. Amen? Okay, there's some other stuff that we can do, too. Uh, it's not just having margin in our lives. Another big thing that we can do, and listen to me now. This is huge. I want you to listen to me. This is going to sound churchy, but it's incredibly practical. Don't live focused on the past. Don't live focused on the past. Why? Because when you carry around the stuff from your past, the emotional baggage, the memories... When you carry that stuff around with you, you're going into today already overloaded with stuff that you're carrying from 20 years ago. Okay? So when something happens today, you don't just go off on like, like if Thomas said something to me that offended me today. And he just said, Pastor Josh, I just don't like your shoes. Your shoes are stupid. Oh, fine. Oh, great. Thomas doesn't like my shoes. So I take what he says hurtful against my shoes. But what a lot of people do because they have unresolved stuff in their lives that carry over from the past, I'm just not going to deal with what Thomas has said. I'm going to go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to the teacher at school that said stuff about me, to the people that made fun of me, to the person that was always slamming me. Maybe it's a parent for you or a grandparent for you. I'm going to go back to then, and I'm going to carry all that hurt and all that issue and all that anger and I'm going to let it loose on him because I have an opportunity now to let it loose on him. Now, mind you, I'm not going to resolve any of it. I'm not going to deal with any of it. But I'm going to let out the frustration from it on this man. And he's going to catch 20 years worth of life over saying something stupid about my shoes. And that's what we do sometimes. And when we don't resolve the issues from the past it sets us up to be overwhelmed by the things that we deal with today because we're not just dealing with what we're dealing with we're dealing with that plus 20 years worth of life that we haven't dealt with yet that's crazy don't live your life focused on the past why does that matter it's big it's big because what gets our attention will determine our direction what gets our attention will determine our direction 
And a lot of us are focused on issues that have happened in the past. And we're focused on those. Pastor Brad, can you help me out? So let's say Brad is an awesome guy, which he is. Oh, cool, there's balloons on the floor. I love that. There's always stuff to play with if you look at it. All right, so Pastor Brad is a great guy who has a heart to serve the Lord. All right, if he wants to follow Jesus, who does he have to focus on? What gets our attention determines our direction. So if he puts his attention on Jesus, now listen, I know it's going to be sound, it's going to sound weird because I'm about to call myself Jesus. I'm not calling myself Jesus. I'm going to say in this scenario, I'm going to pretend to be Jesus, all right? Got to say that because some people get their panties in a wad and be like, that pastor just called himself Jesus. I don't know what he's talking about. Hang out with me for about 20 minutes. You'll find out real fast. I'm not Jesus, okay? Um, so, so Brad's wanting to follow Jesus. If he's going to follow Jesus, he's going to have to give his attention to Jesus. So if Jesus walks this way, if you want to follow Jesus, he's going to follow Jesus, right? And if Jesus gets up on the, stu- on the chairs and starts walking, if Brad wants to follow Jesus, he's going to get up and follow Jesus. Okay, he follows Jesus because his attention is on Jesus, right? All right. Now let's say is he doing what I do with my hands? Oh, this is awesome! <laughs> I didn't even have to look. I'm just looking at everybody going. Ah. All right. So let's say, let's say that Rhiannon, could you help me out for just a second? Okay, Rhiannon, could you get up on the stage where the stool is? Doesn't Rhiannon look awesome today? See, there it is. Now. Rhiannon is going to represent a bad breakup in Brad's past. Brad got emotionally devastated because Rhiannon said, you know what? You're not what I'm looking for. I'm ready to turn the page. I got this dude who's a football player, and I'm just going to go out with him. All right? So Brad's devastated. Wouldn't happen because Brad represents everything that Rhiannon wants in a man right now. They're married, by the way, in case you didn't know. All right. So, but now, because Brad's got a hurt from his past, This time, Brad's going to focus on his past. He's going to give his attention to the past. It's going to be real easy for you to do. Hey, listen, y'all, get a room. This is in the place. This is church. So he's focused on her. Look at Rhiannon. Don't take your eyes off of Rhiannon. Now follow me while you're looking at her. Now, first of all, you notice a couple of things. One, <laughs> this looks really silly. But two, two, um, he's not following as close as he was before, is he? Why? Because he's focused on this. He's focused on this. Is he going to have a more difficult time or an easier time following me? See, this is good. That's what I'm saying. This is just getting creepy, stalker kind of creepy right now. That's just saying. Brad's getting a look that's making me uncomfortable. (laughs) But he's not going to be able to follow me because he's always focused on that. Now, this is a silly, silly example. But we look like this so many times. Looking back on the stuff that's happened to us. Instead of focusing on Jesus. And it messes with our direction. And it messes with our ability to follow him. And it opens us up to be overwhelmed by the situations that we face in life. Because if you're not focused on God and you're focused on your problems. When other stuff happens, 
what are you going to be focused on? That stuff. Give them a hand for helping me out this morning. It just matters. This stuff matters. It's practical things that we can do. Philippians chapter 3, Paul's writing and he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, in verse 13 and 14, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Guys, we've just got to press on past this stuff. Now, I'm not delegitimizing what's happened to you in life, and I'm not saying that that stuff maybe wasn't jacked up, and I'm not saying that it didn't hurt. But what I'm saying is that God can heal, and God can restore, and God can make you whole. Why would we want to live in a constant state of hurt tied to our past when we serve a God that can set us free and make us a new creation in Christ Jesus? Why? biggest no-brainer in the history of the world i pick jesus i pick healing when we focus on the past though we stay tied to the past here's the other thing when when we're focused on what happened to us we lose sight of what god can do through us we lose sight of the fact that he can heal and he can restore and he can do all those things we serve a god that can take what was meant for evil and turn it around for the good of those who believe and trust in him. Amen? Now, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying maybe if you let God heal you and you let God restore you and you give him those wounds from the past, that not only can he restore you, but he can use the things that you've gone through in your life to encourage someone else that might be going through it right now. And when we let God move in our lives and we let him do the work that he wants to do in our hearts, those chains that bind us up and hold us in place, he'll set us free from them. He'll set us loose from that stuff. And the very chains that bind you can become lifelines that you can extend out to somebody else to pull them out of the situation that they're in. You might be going through a divorce right now. Oh, I get that. I went through that. I know it's devastating, but let me tell you what God did in me. And I know you're hurting right now, but there's hope on the other side of this. And if you'll let him, God will get you through it, and he'll heal, and he'll restore you. Your husband cheated on him? Uh, me too. That devastated me. How about you? Yeah, but you know what? I gave it to God, and I'm going to walk through this with you, and I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going because I, I understand exactly what you're going through. But the same God that restored me can restore you. You're going through junk. You see, we can use the stuff that we've been through to help other people through the stuff that they're going through. But when we focus too much on what's happened to us, we lose sight of all of that stuff, and, and we miss out on opportunity for ministry. But because of our focus being on the past, we tie what's happening today to all of that, and we can get overwhelmed with it. Listen, if you want to live a life where you're not continually being overwhelmed, Get free from the past. The third thing is this. this is, is this good stuff? This is practical stuff that will set you up so that you do not have to find yourself in a cycle of being overwhelmed again and again and again. And there might be big things that happen that are initially overwhelming, but you don't have to stay there, and you don't have to let that dominate your life. Amen? Third thing is this, your walk with God. Your walk with God. So you got to get margin in your life. 
You've got to get downtime. You've got to take care of your schedule. That's the first thing. You've got to make sure that you are not living in the past. That's the second thing. The third thing, practically, to keep you from being overwhelmed is your walk with God. Your walk with God. Corey Ten Boom had this quote that was just awesome. She said, um, when, you, when you look at the world, you get distressed. When you look within, you get depressed. That's <laughs> true sometimes, right? But when you look to Jesus, you'll be at rest every time. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 reads like this. Jesus speaking, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest, when we rest, we are healed and restored. Come to me, and I will heal, and I will restore you. Healing and restoration is in your relationship with God. When you don't have that, you don't have the presence of God washing over you to do those works in your life. And spiritually, you're going to get fatigued. I would, I would rather walk with God than run to God. I would rather walk with God than run to God. And here's why. Because people that are constantly running to God time and time again in their lives, you know what I'm saying? Here's God. Here's me. I want to live my life. And when I face a situation I can't handle on my own, I'm going to worry myself to death trying to figure it out. I'm going to work myself to death trying to fix it on my own. I am going to take myself to the end of my rope trying to fix this thing on my own. Instead of resting in God first, I'm trying to handle it on my own. And when my life falls apart and I've had all I can take, then I go running back to God and I say, God, help me. Those are people that run back to God. I would rather walk with God than run to God because people that run to God run to God to get solutions to problems. People that walk with God live in peace because they're walking with the solution to every problem. And there's a difference. Walk with God daily. When you walk with God, you're walking with peace. So when that stuff happens, it might, you might have to take a step back and say, wow, this is big. But the peace of God guides you through that situation. The peace of God, he gives you the wisdom to deal with it. Now, you might have to work through it, and it might be a season that lasts longer than a couple of days. It might last a few weeks. It might last a few months. But you don't lose your peace, and that's the thing. That's the thing. People that run look for solutions. People that walk, walk in peace. It's better to have it on the front end. It's better to have it on the front end, guys. As a pastor, I counsel people constantly. And one of the major things that I run into is that most people that I deal with, one of the major things is that they are overwhelmed with life. And when we navigate through all of the problems and all the stuff, we land usually on this one thing. They are overwhelmed with it. They are overcome by it because they do not have a solid walk with God. They do not have a consistent relationship with Jesus. And when they lose peace because they don't have that, they start reaching for everything they can find 
to calm them down and to get some kind of escape for what's happening in their lives. And this is where most of the sin that people deal with comes from. Because we're grabbing at everything that we can grab at to get the peace that we should have from Jesus. So we, get, we, we turn to alcohol to self-medicate, to calm us down. Instead of resting in the peace of Jesus, we start smoking pot. We start doing drugs to get the high so we can get the release and get the escape from what we're facing. We turn to sex. We turn to all these different things. And when that doesn't work, we lock ourselves up in a room and we just stare at a wall. Because if we hide from life, then life won't affect us. And none of it works. Only Jesus works. Only Jesus gives perfect peace. Amen? So there's this guy in the Bible. His name was Jehoshaphat. Funny son. Anybody named Jehoshaphat here today? No? Anybody? All right. Keep trying. Maybe one day I'll get a guy say, my name's Jehoshaphat. I've been looking for you my whole life. My whole life I've been asking that question. No Jehoshaphats yet. I mean, what do you call yourself for short? Back, what did I call him, J-Fat? For short, because that's a big name, you know? I don't get, or Hashi. I don't, I don't know what you call a guy like that. But anyway, he was a king over Israel, and he did something awesome. And you want to read his story, you can look in the book of uh, Second Chronicles. The Bible says that he got on fire for God, and he went out to the towns and the villages around Israel, and he turned the people's hearts toward God. The whole nation. This one, game, this one king uses influence to point people to God. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a national leader that would use their influence to point people towards Jesus? That'd be awesome to see that happen. Um, he got the people's hearts to turn towards Jesus. And Israel went through a season of time where they were focused on God and on fire for God. And then an overwhelming situation happened. Three kingdoms around them decided they wanted to take them out. And they combined their armies and had this huge, undefeatable army. And Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel looked at what was happening. And they didn't mount the horses and go out for battle. They didn't worry themselves to death trying to figure out a solution to the problem. They didn't nearly stress out over what was happening. The first thing they did is they went to the Lord in prayer. And the reason why they went to him in prayer, I believe personally, is because they were walking with God before they faced the problem. And they didn't get overwhelmed with the problem because they had been walking with God. And they went to him as a solution instead of wearing themselves out. And look at what Jehoshaphat prays as we close this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. Look at the content of this prayer. This is powerful. You only pray like this when you're praying from perspective out of a relationship with God. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard, and he said, this is what he prayed, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations, power and might, are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. In the middle of an overwhelming situation, Jehoshaphat gets up and he says, God, you are a big God. No one can defeat you. You hold all the power 
You hold all the authority. You hold all the answers. You are the solution to this problem that we're facing right now. He says, God, you are a big, big God. Then he says, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people of Israel? So now God's a big God, and he immediately goes to what God has done for the nation. When you're in relationship with God, you're constantly in touch with how big he is. And when you walk with God, you're constantly reminded of how faithful he is. God, you've been there before. You drove these people out. You've moved on our behalf before. You are faithful. You have never let us down. You've got a track record that I can trust. This is what this guy is praying. And then he says this. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? He focuses on the promise of God. God, you're a big God. And we see your track record. You have never let us down. And I know that you promised that this land would stay our land. We got a huge army out there trying to take that away from us. But instead of freaking out, I'm standing on who you are, what you've done, and your promise that we will not be overthrown by our enemies. Now that is a prayer of faith. You only pray that way when you're walking with God. Now if you're here today and you're going through some stuff, I want to encourage you to remember how big God is. Because he's a big, big God. He's a big, big God. And when you look at how big he is and you look at the problems that we face, they suddenly become a little more insignificant, don't they? Because he is the solution to every problem that we face in life. Think about the track record of God. We serve a God that has done the impossible, and we serve a God that can do the impossible. We serve a God that will do the impossible. Think about the promise that you have from God. He said in his word that he would never fail us or forsake us. That means that he won't leave our side. And that there's nothing that we're facing that he can't walk us through to the solution on the other side. And the big promise that we have from the word of God is this. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? So margin in your life. Don't focus on the stuff from your past. You'll walk with God. If we'll get back to these things, these are three practical things that can set us up to break the cycle of constantly being overwhelmed by what happens in our life, the little stuff, so that when we face the big stuff, it doesn't take us down. When we face the big stuff, we say, all right, Goliath, I serve a God that's killed the lion. I serve a God to help me kill the bear. And you know what? You're going to be just like them because I still serve the same God today. And he'll drop every giant that gets in my path. You don't have to be overwhelmed. Amen? Stand with me.